Hey, Jacob Twell. Welcome to the Jacob Twell Podcast. We are continuing our series from the early chapters of the book of Revelation called Seven, where we're looking at the unique messages to these seven churches. And this weekend, we're going to be looking at the church of, of Sardis. And Sardis was a church that was in danger of being spiritually dead. So we're kind of talking about spiritual zombies this week. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm glad you're here to check it out. Father God, I truly believe that your plan is that you've made the churches the hope of the world. You've entrusted us with the message of Jesus Christ. You've entrusted us to be places that build people to be people who live like Jesus Christ. And so, Father God, I would pray for a revival among your churches. I would pray you'd teach us to love one another and work together and to work for the common good. I would pray, Father God, that you would just bring spiritual awakening in all your churches, Jacob's Well, as well as the other churches of the Chippewa Valley. Father God, I would pray for those churches that are going through a time of spiritual difficulty, churches that are becoming dead, that, Father, a resurrection would take place in them. And, Father, even as we hear from the Word of God tonight and just a powerful passage of Scripture, I pray that you'll speak to each one of our hearts about um, what it means to come spiritually alive, Father God, and what it means to be a church that's alive. So, Father, as we enter into this passage of Scripture, as we enter into this time of study, this time of just hearing from you, um, we just ask that you would speak us, and we would speak to us, and we would ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, tonight we want to continue on in our series, uh, in this uh, seven series, where we're looking at the first several chapters of the book of the Revelation. And in this book, the book begins with this incredible picture of this glorified Jesus, this really big, all-powerful Jesus, this you-can't-miss-him Jesus, Jesus as he truly is, Jesus as the angels see him, glorified. He has a powerful voice. He has a face that shines like the sun. Every eye will hear him. Everybody will acknowledge him that he is Lord. He is God. He is creator. The Jesus who comes to bring salvation, this Jesus who comes to bring hope, this Jesus who comes to oppose evil and injustice. In fact, at the end of the book of the Revelation, he throws all evil into the lake of fire. This Jesus who is just so incredible, the Jesus who makes the darkness tremble. I'm just so grateful for that song, grateful for our worship. I'm grateful that we get to come and we get to worship this Jesus. Well, well, this is the deal. We believe as the people of God that this Jesus, this glorified Jesus is here right now and that he walks among us. The book of the Revelation begins with this incredible vision of Jesus where he walks and, and in his right hand he holds the seven stars which are the seven messages for his church and, and, and he's speaking to each one of his churches and he walks among the churches when it says he walks among the lambs lampstands because the lampstand is a picture of light and hope. It's meant to be a beacon and, and, and we're one of those lampstands and Jesus is walking among us and he is speaking to us and I, I've been kind of blown away in these last couple weeks how much how receptive the people of God have been to some really difficult things that Jesus has been saying to them. It's interesting after services, between services, as I talk to people and get notes and emails, that that God's doing something special in the life of our church. He's saying some big things to people, and that shouldn't surprise us, because Jesus walks along and among the lampstand. Let me just ask, how about you? I mean, when was the last time you heard from Jesus? I mean, when was the last time where you felt like there was something very specific said to you that you were supposed to understand? Maybe about yourself, maybe about him, maybe about another, another person. Maybe, when was the last time there was something that, that Jesus said very specific to you? Where he said, you know what, I want you to start doing this. Or I want you to stop doing that. 
I need you to forgive this person. Or, or maybe something, I'm calling you to do this specific thing, this nudge, this word from the scripture, something in a song or in a sermon or you've heard on the radio. When was the last time you heard the voice of Jesus? Well, today, we were looking at a church, one of the seven churches, and and the problem with this church is that it had become a zombie church. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last couple years, zombies have become all the rage, right? For for two years in a row, the show The Walking Dead, right, has become the number one rated show on all TV. And, And this became a phenomenon. It became the number one Halloween costume. It became just, they would have things called zombie crawls, where where thousands of people, thousands of people would decorate themselves and dress themselves out as zombies, and they would start at one part of the city, it happened here in Eau Claire, and they would just walk downtown, that kind of thing. And so, so this idea of, of being a zombie, being dead, somehow or another, captured our imagination. And, and, and for so long, I've wanted to take the opportunity to suggest that, that, that this thing of zombie phenomenon has been going on in churches for a long time. That is to say that, that, that there have been, spiritually speaking, people who have been zombies for a long time. They, they've been spiritually dead. They've been walking around. They've been moving around. They've been going through the motion. You know, they've been singing in church. Uh, that kind of stuff like that. You know, the healthier ones, every now and then, you know, raise your hand a little bit. But a spiritual deadness that, that can come. Now, of course, I'm being uh, uh, silly, but, but, but the truth is, is that the, 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 the truth is, is that just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're spiritually alive. In fact, just because you are a church doesn't mean that you're spiritually alive. There are all kinds of churches that, that have died or are dying, and, and, and they're just a building, or they're just a, a, a bunch of rituals, or they're just a group of people who... A long time ago, the Spirit of God has left and taken the lampstand with them. These are churches that that have a glorious view of their past, and and they're not authentic. They're not real places. They're places where where they become kind of phony. And and one of the the best protections against this, and we're going to see this weekend, is the the ability to learn to become authentic. So let's go ahead and take a look at at the message to this church at Sardis. And again, we've said that these messages were, were messages for those specific churches in that time, but also it's a greater message for the church of Jesus Christ in all all generations. And, and let's take a look at what we can learn from the church at Sardis. Now again, there's a formula that's being followed here. The formulation is that there's a revelation about the Lamb. That is to say, Jesus said something to him to, to the church about himself that's really important to understand, that you understand about the message. It's connected to the original vision. There's a word of correction. That is to say, this is some stuff that you got right. There's a word of warning that if you don't start working on getting this stuff right, this is where it's going to lead. There's a word of encouragement that, hey, there's still this thing that you're doing well. There's a promise of reward for those who overcome. And again, one of the biggest words in the book of the Revelation is the word overcome, that we overcome by the word of the Lamb, uh, the, the blood of the testimony, and the, the word of the Lamb, uh, the, the word to our testimony in the blood of the Lamb, that the one who, who, who wins at the end is not the one who starts strong, but the one who finishes strong. And then there is over and over again, in so many ways, an admonition to listen, and that is especially important because one of the biggest signs that a church is becoming spiritually dead, and one of the biggest signs, by the way, that you're becoming spiritually dead, is you don't hear the voice of God anymore. God doesn't speak to you anymore. That you no longer feel that nudge. You no longer have that challenge. You no longer have the word of God jump off of the page with you. You find yourself just kind of numb towards the things of God. 
And, and, and this is going to be one of the things we see. So, so let's take a look. So, look. so in the Revelation, um, in, in looking at the church of Sardis. So starting in verse, uh, we're in the first verse. So to the angel of the church at Sardis, he writes. Now, now let me say something about the church of Sardis. This is a wealthy city. This is a city that is a very comfortable city. And it's an ancient city. It's an history, a city with a, a glorious past. In fact, this city, during the, the, this book was written sometime in the first century, somewhere around 70, 80, 90 AD. This city goes back to 1400 BC. So it is 1500 years old. And if you go back and you study the history, it, it used to be a fortified, great armored city. It was a city that Alexander the Great had, had lived in and, and had built up. It was a city on a trade route, so it had great wealth and great history and great prestige. And it was founded a, a long time ago. And so one of the characteristics of a church that, that, that can become dead is that it grows to become a church that grows to have a glorious vision of its past. That is to say that it looks back on its image, its reputation, its heritage, its legacy. And although those things are very helpful, whenever they become the reason why a church exists, well, a church is on its way to dying. Now, when they become used to inspire us to do great things today and to go on in the future, well, then they're very powerful. But this is a case where Sardis was a great city, but during the time of the church now, it had become kind of a dying city. It had become a run-down city. It was a city where nothing new was happening, and they looked back to the old. That's what made them significant. Now, to the angel of the church at Sardis, right, he said, these are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And so he brings them back to that part of the vision where he's emphasizing that I have a message. Jesus, I am the one who comes with a message for the church. I am the one who is speaking to the church. I am the one who has something to say. I have something to say to all my people. I have something to say to you individually. You know, that, that's one of the ways, times where I just know God's working in, in the life of our church. So, so awesome. There'll be times where I will, I will come up, and, and this is into the dark mind of a preacher guy a little bit, and, and I'll give a sermon. I say, oh my gosh, that was the most amazing sermon I've ever given. I was so excited about that sermon. And I'll talk to people during the week or after church, and everybody's going, eh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, what was it about again? You don't hear anything. And there was another time, there are other times, there are other times where I will give a message that just feels flat, feels empty, feels like it lacks power, it's just nothing there. And it's just, oh my gosh, I should never be allowed to do this again. Why don't they get someone good for this church? You know, people ever ask, do you ever think about quitting? I say, only on Mondays, you know, only on Mondays, you know. And that will be the week where I will get person after person, call after call, of people saying, God said this to me about my marriage. God said this to me about my family. God said, this, you know what? I got saved, or, or just this amazing thing happens. Well, it's a sign that the Spirit of God is speaking. And, and when, when I'm hearing God speaking, when I have a lot of conversations about God said this to me, or God's doing this, or God challenged me with this, or I got to do this, well, that's a sign that God is really working in the life of his church. And so, so he, he wants them to understand that I am the God who walks among you and I am the God who is speaking. And you should come to me with expectation that I'm going to say something, that I'm going to speak, that I'm going to hear your prayers and I'm going to answer your prayers. Now he goes right in and changes the order a little bit with this church. He goes right into a word of correction about this church. In fact, this is one of those churches 
where he has a lot of difficult things to say and not a lot of good things to say. He says, first of all, I know your deeds. Now, just imagine Jesus Christ just said that to you. He said, I know your deeds. I know what you've been up to. I mean, I, I know what you've been portraying and I know that you think you've been doing it in secret. I think you've been doing it in hiding. He says, but I know your deeds. Remember, he's the one whose eyes are like uh, fire. They can see through all of it. He says, he says, you have a reputation. You have an image of being alive. He said, I've seen your Facebook page. I've seen your Snapchat. I've seen your Instagram. And, and you've got all kinds of stuff on that that makes you look like you're living and you're amazing and you're powerful. You've got a whole bunch of it, you know, that, that, that makes you look like you're spiritual and you've got some God quotes on there and all kinds of stuff like this. You have a reputation of being alive. Look at this. But you are dead. But you're actually dead. I mean, if you would actually look inside spiritually, you're dead. Now, you do the, 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 the acting, you go through the motion, you do a lot of deeds, but at the end of the day, what's going on inside you is not spiritually alive. You know, I thought deeply about this, and, and, and this week I, I thought, what, what are some of the signs that a church is maybe looking alive, maybe there's a lot of people to go, maybe there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of activities, a lot of programs, but they're seriously actually dead. Here, here's some signs that, that a church is dead. I already talked about this a little bit, but let me, this first one is, the past is protected and glorified. That is to say that this church talks about all the great things that used to happen. It, it had a glory day, and that's pictures, and there's memorials. And, and, and very often when a church does this, the church gets older and older and older and grayer, and, and, and it protects and glorifies the past. Uh, the second thing is that image is more important than substance. That, that the leadership of the church and the people of the church are always concerned about how they look or what people are going to say. Listen, when you have leadership that makes decisions based on what people are going to think, well, you're in bad shape. Because sometimes you have to just make a decision that's the right decision. Sometimes as leaders, you can't always explain your decisions, but you've got to do the right thing. Another illustration, example of a, a church, sign that a church is dead is that there are no answers to prayer. That is to say, really, the church quit praying seriously. They might do ritualistic prayers. They might have a prayer time, but they're not seeing answers to prayer. They're not seeing God doing things that only can be explained by God. They're not lifting up regularly and routinely incredibly difficult problems and seeing God answer them in remarkable ways, in ways that only God can take credit for them. You sign a church is dead is that nothing ambitious is attempted, that they're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. One of the things I used to do, I don't do it as much, is I used to work with struggling churches. I used to consult and go in and talk with them and try to coach them up. And, and one of the main characteristics of, of a church that was dying is one that they were in denial about it. You know, that they used to have a lot of people coming. Now they only have a few people coming. And you'd look at what they're doing and you'd say, okay, what's your budget? And they'd look at the budget and say, well, your budget is the same as it was last year. Well, yeah, because we're doing the same things we're doing last year. Well, why are you doing that? Well, because we've always done it that way. And so nothing new, nothing ambitious, nothing God-sized is being attempted. Uh, you also see a sign of a dead church is that there's no expectation of God's working. That people don't come expecting God to do something. They don't expect to be blown away by God. They don't expect to hear from God and, 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 and because they, they just, they've given up on that. Um, you'll see a sign of a dead church is that the young don't attend. 
is that when you'll see, you don't see young families coming anymore. You don't see uh, young people coming anymore because young people are attracted to life, not to history and legacy and all those kinds of things like that. You see that worship is empty and formulaic and, and God is just not amazed, uh, amazing as people. One of the coolest things I get to do every week is right before I come out is, is I can hear back there and because all the speakers are pointed out there at you, uh, I get to hear your voices. And, and there are weeks that I just have chills because I can hear the people of God just pouring out their heart to God. Another indication that a church is dead is that the scripture is minimized. And that is to say that it's less and less about what the word of God says. It's more and more about all kinds of other things. But very rarely is there a profound revelation from the word of God that people go, wow, I'd never seen that before. Or wow, this is is incredible. It's like the scriptures just come alive. Um, Another indication the church is dead is there's no call to discipleship. That is to say the message is, you know what, glad you're here. You're pretty much good the way you're supposed to be. And so you're not challenging people uh, to, to take steps and to grow and to become more like Christ. A sign that a church is dead is that there's not a culture of service. That is to say, a dead church, people come and say, what's in it for me? What am I getting from this? A culture of, of service in a live church is say, what can I do? We're working together. I'm part of something bigger than myself. And, and I want to serve at the church and in my community and my family. And, and, and because, because I recognize that, that the joy of life, the excitement of life comes in serving. You see that a dead church, no one is making sacrifices for the mission of the church. Because, you know what, we're just kind of playing it safe. We're doing our thing. Only the respectable church people attend. That is to say, a truly spiritually alive church has some people who are really rough around the edges. Y'all know who you are. So glad you're here. You make us alive. You make us alive. Um, um, you see uh, that churches that are spiritually dead don't touch on controversial topics. They never talk about anything that's going to rock the boat or challenge people or get people upset. And, and the biggest indication that a church is spiritually dead is that you don't see any lives being changed. You have dry baptistry tanks. You, you have no one coming to know Christ. You don't have people who used to be doing uh, immoral, broken, empty things stopping that and beginning to do life-giving holy, right things. And so there's some indications of a church that is dead. And Sardis was a church that was in danger of that. Now, now to kind of just bring this home, I want to I wanna take a little closer and I want to share with you some, some signs that not only it's a dead church, but a sign that, that it's full of dead Christians. And, and, and maybe this could just be a little evaluation for you. Because one of the greatest protections you will have against spiritual deadness in your life is honesty, is the ability to ruthlessly evaluate, to look at your own deeds with the help of the Holy Spirit, say, search me and try me, test me and know me, see if there's any ways that are unrighteous in me, and, and then give me the power to change. So, so here's, a, here's some, some signs that, that, that a Christian is spiritually dead. First of all, there's no power in prayer. That is to say, they don't pray very much, and when they do pray, it's on the fly, and they're not seeing God move in prayer. Not only are they not seeing answers to prayer, but they're not experiencing the presence of God in prayer. That there are times when, when in just brokenness, or joy, or personal worship, that prayer is powerful and real in their life. A second indication that you may be a dead Christian is that the word of God has gone cold. 
That is to say, if it weren't for the fact you came to church and I read some verses, you, probably, you really wouldn't interact with this book at all or hardly at all. Or, or before, when you maybe were a new Christian, you'd read it, and man, it's just you couldn't get enough of it. you go to small people, Bible study, and it was like you'd just come off the page. But it's been a long time since the Word of God has, has really, really kind of, of, of got you. In fact, you find yourself bored with the Word of God. You may have some unmanaged doubts with the Word of God. When you read things in the Word of God, you might even start getting annoyed. We get hostility towards the Word of God because the Word of God is like, again, that double-edged sword. It cuts this way and that way, and it's doing surgery in our hearts. Let me just ask you to ask yourself an honest question. Now, here's an honest question. When was the last time something changed in your life because of what you read in the Word of God? When was the last time you actually acted on something because of what you read in the Word of God? You say, what do you mean? So I'm reading in Philippians. The book of Philippians says, be thankful in prayer. And I realize under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I haven't been thankful. So I started intentionally trying to be thankful. So that's the Word of God speaking to me. Uh, another person, you're reading in Jesus, and he said, you know, forgive your enemies. He said, you know what? I had this enemy, and I hadn't forgiven them. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm going to choose to forgive them. I'm going to start blessing that enemy. You know what? You read another passage of Scripture, and this says something, you know, about lust, or it says something about sharing your faith, and then, then you're at work, and you feel nudged. You're supposed to invite that person, talk to that person. When was the last time the Word of God shaped your life in a big way, in a little way, where God spoke to you? And, and, and so, through the Word of God in prayer, if that's not powerful in your life, you, you might want to just... Not fool yourself, because you may have a reputation, even to yourself, a reputation of being spiritually alive, but you may actually be dead. See, a dead Christian doesn't hear the voice of God. A dead Christian, it's been a long time since they felt a nudge, since they felt an affection. A dead Christian is the one who's working in their life to provide comfort for themselves rather than service for others. That is, they do almost everything they do, they do for themselves. They don't make sacrifices for the kingdom of God and the service of others. Uh, they, they, they have become comfortable with sin and compromise in their life because they've hardened themselves to the Holy Spirit. Worship in a dead Christian's life is something that becomes, you know, dead and boring, and then it becomes optional, and then it becomes inconsistent, where it takes the smallest excuse, say, ah, let's not go to church. Ah, let's not go. You know, just the worship of God. And so you find yourself in a spiritually dangerous place. Faith is isolated and personal. That is to say, you're not open, you're not authentic, you're not in relation with other people. We're actually talking about how you're doing spiritually, and, and you, your, your faith becomes just something private. And although people would say, yeah, that's a strong Christian, it's been a long time since you've been a strong Christian. Uh, another example of a spiritually dead Christian is that your faith becomes compartmentalized. You know what I mean by this? It means that at church, you live and talk and act one way, and at home, you live and walk, talk one way, and then when you're at work or when you're at school, you're a very different person. And that is to say that the faith of God has not taken over your life. It's part of your life, but it's not your life. See, here's one of the things I've said so many times. I just want you to hear it again. Jesus Christ did not come to give you life. He came to be your life, every part of your life. And when, when, when that kind of thing, you know, um, um, gets pushed into the corner of one part of your life, well, there's nothing actually more spiritually numbing because this is what happens. When you first do that, the Spirit of God comes to you, He challenges you, He convicts you, 
And, and it's hard. You say, okay, Spirit of God, I want to do this. But, but after a while, if you get good at ignoring the Spirit or pushing the Spirit up or hardening your heart to the Spirit, after a while, listen, you can actually lose the ability to hear the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is speaking to some of you right now at this moment. If you, today, if you don't hear his, heart, hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Perhaps one of the biggest indications that, that you're a spiritually dead Christian is that you're more, more concerned about your image than you actually are about the reality of where you're at spiritually. And that's, that's to say that, that you don't let anybody see how real your struggle is. You don't let anybody see how, 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 how far you've gone to this spiritual deadness. You don't, you don't tell anybody. And, and one of the main tools of being cured is finding someone you can be authentic with in your life. You know, one of the biggest indications that you're spiritually dead is, is you're bored. You're just spiritually bored. You're, you're bored with life. You can't find any meaning in life. You can't find any purpose in life. That, that's one of the biggest indications that, that, that you're, you're spiritually dead. It's amazing. We live in a time in, in, in the world where we have access to more and bigger and more amazing entertainment than ever before. And, and survey after survey show that people in our country, more than anything else, say that they're bored. Say that there's, there's really nothing that excites them anymore. There's nothing that gets them charged up. Well, because we're, 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 we're thinking that, that, that meaning and, and excitement comes from some big show, some big image, where it comes back to a love relationship with God and with people. So, so he gives this word of correction. He says, I know your deeds, and I know your reputation, that you're supposed to be alive, but the truth is you're actually dead. And then he gives the strong word of warning. He says, wake up. Wake up. Shake yourself. Get honest with yourself. Get a clue. How's that working for you, to quote Dr. Phil? Ask yourself honestly and, and, and just aggressively, you know, how is my soul? How is my life? How much time did I actually spend in the word of God this week? How much time is prayer real in my life? Is service a point of joy in my life? Am I actually taking steps to know and become like Christ? Or have I fallen into a rut? Have I, have I just become incredibly complacent? He says, wake up. He says, now strengthen what remains and is about to die. He says that there's a point where your faith just dries up and dies. Remember, he says, it's not the one who starts strong who shall be saved. It says the one who endures till the end shall be saved. The fact that you endure to the end indicates that your faith is real faith, enduring faith. He says, wake up. He says, I have not found your deeds complete in my sight. Now, you can fool a lot of people. You can fool yourself. But at the end of the day, God says, you know what? It's time to wake up. Verse 3, he says, remember, therefore, what you have received. And one of the best things in the world that can happen is just to go back to the basics. When I go through times where I'm just especially spiritually dry, where, where, where I find myself slipping, where I'm finding myself compromising my times of prayer, you know what I run back to? I run back to the Gospels. I run back to those four books at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that just tell me again the stories of Jesus. And I just slowly read them. And, and I, just, I just seek to rediscover Jesus. And I read them through, and I read particularly that part about what the cross was all about. And, and I remember what he did for me, and I remember who he was. And it's amazing how often I'm just surprised by him again. I, I'm surprised by the new things I learn about him, but, but it's so good to be surprised by the things I already knew about Jesus, but that I had forgotten, or that I had let go cold. 
And so the call would be to, to remember, remember what you have received. Uh, remember, therefore, what you received. He said, and what you have heard. And look what he says, and obey it. That is to say, uh, look for, for the things in your life that you're not supposed to do, the little things, the big things, and start to do those things. And he says, and repent. Repent is another way of saying wake up. The, the word repent is a wonderful word. It means shake off the dust and realize, I've been looking at this terribly wrong. This is the backward, this is horrible. I've got to look at it this way. Because the way you think about life, your, your actions are determined by your thought life and your mind. So I'm going to start thinking about it like this. I've been actually thinking that I can get through this life without prayer as the foundation of my strength. And I don't pray. If you'd just be honest about that, and, and you'd say, you know what? I've got to repent. I've got to obey that command to say, pray without ceasing and learn how to pray. And Jesus taught me how to pray, and I just don't pray. You know, I, I, I've, been, I've been in this wrong-headed thing of saying, you know what? I don't need the word of God in my life that I can figure out this life with all its complexity and all the the difficulties and the unique things that I have to face, and and I don't need the wisdom of God to guide me. And and so so there's this need to say, you know, I'm going to repent of that and say, you know what, i I got to get the Word of God back in my life. And you say, I don't really know how to use this book. Well, you got to get to one of the jillions of small groups that we have that teach you how to do that. You got to get to you got to get to to right now media and and just poke around on there and and see there's all kinds of study courses that would show you how to study this book and how to learn to hear from God from this book. He says repent. He says, but if you do not wake up, he says I'll come like a thief. You won't know at time, and I will come to you. So just imagine Jesus just shows up. He returns and he finds you in the spiritual condition that you're in. He says, listen, it's a sobering thought to, to, to recognize that, that, that we can be faking it, we can be fooling ourselves, we can be fooling other people, but at the end of the day, he's the one who comes with the message. He's the one who shows all things, all our works, and will judge the living and the dead. And so it's a call to, to, to be shaken, to be warned. Now he goes and he does give a word of encouragement, but it's, it's, it's not as of all the words of encouragement, it's not one of the stronger ones. He says this, he says, Yet a few people in Sardis have not soiled their clothes. They walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. I've seen this so many times with, with people. Some people have come to Jacob's Well, they'll, they'll come in here and they'll say, You know, I was at my church for a long time, and, and they left the Bible, and they, they quit teaching the truth, and they really don't talk about Jesus, and they sure don't believe like Jesus is the only way to God anymore, and it's just got more and more difficult. They just started just being really interested in being more liked by the world and accepted by the culture than actually challenging living for the culture. And, and I tried to stay there and I tried to be salt and light, but God has finally released me and my heart is broken. You know, that's what's going on in Sardis. He says, there's some people here who get it. And those are some people you should listen to. Those are some people who have not soiled themselves and they will walk with me and they will be dressed in white for they are worthy. They, they remained alive even in the midst of a church that was dead. He goes on and gives this promise of reward for those who overcome. He says, to the ones who overcome, again, you see the word overcome, will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot their name out from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and my angels. So basically the whole idea is that when we get to heaven and we say, oh, Jesus, uh, God, you know, I'm here, and Jesus said, if I came here, you'd accept me, Jesus would say, acknowledge that one. This person with their faith and trust in me, and I remember when he did it, and, and you know what? I, I can see evidence in his whole life. He wasn't perfect, made a lot of mistakes, but he was always one of mine. He was always pursuing me. There were times he went through spiritual difficulties, but at the end of the day, he overcame. And you can see the evidence of that faith and how he lived. And, and, and now he's with me forever. 
And then he add, add, gives this admonition again. And, and, and this is interesting because in this church, to this church in this passage, he, he doesn't end with the admonition to listen and the others. He ends with the admonition to listen to this church. He says what he says to the other churches, but it's like this is the most important thing. He says, he who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so he's emphasizing it at the end. And so at the end of the day, he's saying, listen, if you find yourself spiritually dead, he says, listen. Get honest. Hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Hear the working of God. And so what are we supposed to do with this? Well, well I've got some steps that I want to encourage you to take. And, and please hear me. Some of you are hearing from the Spirit of God right now. And, and you're really wishing I'd quit speaking because you just want this to be done. But the Spirit of God would say to you, He is giving you a warning. Okay, and, 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 and you could probably power up in your will and push that warning away. And let me just say this. If you do that, the next time he speaks, it'll be easier to push that away. And then if you do that again, the next time he speaks, it'll just be easier to push that away. And you'll get really good at pushing away the nudging of the Spirit and the prompting of the Spirit and the listening of God. That's why he ends this again with the one who hears the one who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He, he says, is this, several things you can do. First thing is, is just be honest with yourself. That's confession. It's the beginning of repentance. It's saying, I am spiritually dead. The truth is, I haven't looked at this book once this week. The truth is, I, I've just, I've made up every excuse. You know what? But I, I have not prayed at all this week. I found time to do a lot of, I watched my sports. I did my hobbies. I did my exercises, I did, I did whatever, good, bad, other day. I found time for the other things that are important, but prayer is just apparently, it's just not part of my life. And just be honest with yourself. Well, the second thing, and this is so important, is be authentic with someone you respect. That is to say, go to someone, and the Holy Spirit will let you and give you someone, and just tell them, I'm, that message Paul gave, you know what, the Spirit spoke to me, and, and I'm, I'm one of those people who in danger of becoming spiritually dead. It's not in a good point. You need to call someone. You need to talk to someone. You need to reach out to someone, and you need to tell someone. It might be your group. It might be joining a group. There's so many groups that you could join. It might be filling out a care form on the website or, or going to the Connection Center and, and meeting with one of the, the, the care ministers or one of the pastors. But be authentic. Let someone know you are having a struggle. And then the third thing I want to challenge you to do is make a plan. Now, now this is just nuts and bolts. It's say, so, so what's your plan to pray? And it may be as simple as, you know what, I'm going to spend 10 minutes in the morning. Or, you know what, I'm going to spend 10 minutes at noon. Or, you know what, I'm going to get that devotion that I had all those years ago that was so powerful in my life. I'm going to get that back out. I'm going to do that every single morning. I'm going to get started. And I'm going to tell that person I respect that this is my plan to start making prayer. You know, I'm going to go to a class on prayer. Again, I'm going to go to Right Now Media. And Tuesday night, instead of doing the thing I do on Tuesday night, you know what, I'm going to force myself not to watch that show, not to do the thing, whatever, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to watch on Right Now Media how to pray. And I'm going to be intentional about it. I, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to push, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to find every excuse in the world. You're going to have every distraction in the world. It's going to be hard, but you're going to do it. You're going to say, God, give me help. Holy Spirit, let me, let me just, just teach me to pray. And, and then the Word of God. What, what's my plan for getting the Word of God back in my life? And it may be something as simple as just getting the devotion and just using the devotion. Every day I'm going to do one of those devotions. I'm going to look at the scriptures. I'm going to go through. But I'm going to get that back in my life. Because I just got to. I'm going to download a podcast. Do you realize how many good preachers you could listen to? If you don't like me as a preacher, you got options. I'm just saying. The web is full of them. And you're going to download that on your podcast. If you don't know what that is, find a teenager. They'll show you. All right. And, and I'm going to listen. Instead of listening to talk radio, 
or political talk radio or sports radio. On the way to work, I'm going to listen to that podcast. I'm going to listen to the Word of God. I'm going to get serious again about my faith. I'm going to come alive again. I'm not going to live this dead, boring, zombie existence. And then I'm going to do something else. I'm going to, I'm going to join a group, maybe. I'm going to get back in my group, you know, my men's group, my women's group, my couples group. I'm going to plan a spiritual retreat. I'm going to find out uh, just where I could go. There's a men's conference coming up in February. There's all kinds of conferences we're doing all second part of the year. I'm going to start spiritual practices again. For those of you maybe who have done some things like journaling, or you've done some things like um, uh, contemplative prayer, intercessory prayer, I- I'm going to learn how to pray. I'm going to recognize, say, I don't know how to do that. There, you, you have no excuse. Between right now media and the internet, you have no excuse. You have more resources for spiritual growth at your fingertips than you ever have had in the history of history. You used to have to go buy a book. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No excuse. I'm going to do something. And then once you write it down, write down your plan. Write it down. Don't die over I got it. Write it down. I'm going to share it with the people who matter. I'm going to share it with my wife, my husband, my friends. I'm going to show my kids. Be a great example of your kids. Great example. Because oh, I haven't got it together enough. That's all right. They need to see everything in your spiritual struggle so they make sense of their spiritual struggle. And, and share it with spiritual mentor. And, and then just organize. The last thing you got to do is you got to organize your plan. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're going you're gonna, to you know, uh, do this plan, you got to maybe go and find your Bible. You got to schedule it. You got you to gotta say on Tuesday night, I, you know, I block it out. And someone says, you want to get together Tuesday? No, I've got an appointment. I've got this thing I got to do. I can't miss this. It's the most important thing. I'm going to organize my life around it. I'm going to get that devotion. I'm going to spend tomorrow afternoon, uh, uh, and I'm going to go on right now media. I'm going to find that study course, but I'm going to do it. And, and, and that's what it looks like. That's why he says, he says, you know, he says, he says build on what's already there. He says, he says, come back and remember what you received. Obey, repent, and, 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 and recognize that, that your very spiritual self, your soul's at, at stake here, that you're in the race the, the risk of, of being that spiritually dead person. And, and the longer you wait, man, the, the harder it is to come back alive. Now, let me just end with this word of just encouragement. If there's anything that Jesus is good at, it's resurrection. Right? He rose from the dead. And some of you may be here, and you may be feeling discouraged, may feel a little bit beat up. I'm sorry about that. Holy Spirit, just come to them, and, and don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't do that number. But instead, just, just, just understand that the God who we worship loves to take dead things and he loves to make them come alive. He loves to make them come alive. And he would come alive in you again in spite of what's going on in your life, in spite of your struggles. But, but it, God, it has to come back <laughs> to you taking the steps to know and become like him. Let me pray. And the team's going to come out and they're going to lead us in a word of, song of worship. Jesus, I uh, worship you as the risen Lord. We worship you as the one who holds in your hands a message for your churches. We worship you as the one whose eyes see through the pretense and the, and the foolishness. You see through our excuses. You see through, through our, our, our rationalizations, the way we make ourselves victims, all the things we do. Father God, I just pray that you will resurrect in us, that, 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 that your spirit would come right now and in every one of us where there's something dead, would you just, Father, bring a spiritual heartbeat? Would you, would you cause a spiritual breath to be taken in? Would you bring a resurrection? Would you bring a resurrection of hope and resolve and spirit-filled change? Would you bring a resurrection of community? Would you resurrect our love and our commitment to prayer and to the word of God? Would you bring a resurrection of just spiritual renewal? God, may there be a holy awe and fear, a holy 
desire. May there be an anticipation that you are the God who speaks. Many of us remember when you have spoken to us in the past. And and we want to hear from you again. And so, Father, I just pray that you would make us the ones who overcome. The ones who overcome, who, 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 who hear your voice and respond. And, Father, I just pray that happen to us as individuals and as a church, that we would be a church that honors your word, that prays, that tries and attempts things under the leadership of your spirit that are way bigger than us, that are way further, and, and that we would do it with a sense of service and, and community and that we would see our lives change and this whole community changed. Holy Spirit, will you bring a resurrection? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.